Um, you know, God is doing um, amazing things, and, and it's just, you know, sometimes you just have to really look back and kind of step back a little bit and look through God's eyes and see what He's doing and, and uh, hear what God's saying and, and what He's doing in our culture and our society and our day. Um, you know, I, I really feel that um, you can look at, you know, our culture one way. You can look and see that, uh, you know, it's really messed up. But you can look and see that God has a plan. And you can, you can hear God in the midst of craziness. How many know what I'm talking about? In the midst of all the things that are going on in our world, um, God's still moving. And God's still saving and loving people and, and using the church to draw people uh, to himself. So I'm so thankful for that. And I, I'm just so thankful today for all that God has done for us and specifically for me. All that God has really done and brought me through and, and really done in my life. And I don't know if you're thankful this morning, but how many are thankful for all the journey that God's brought you through and all the things you've come through so far and Maybe you're a young person and you say, well, I really feel like I haven't been through too much or maybe you felt like you've been through too much already as a young person. We can lift our hand to heaven this morning and say, God is good. Amen. God is, is good. And so we're so thankful for what the Lord has done in our lives. I wanted to just uh, talk to you this morning um, out of the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and uh, something that's just been really, God's been laying on my heart and, and really it's just been kind of a theme um, for a long time, and, and uh, I'll probably just move on as God moving us on to other things, but um, just really can't help but feel that the Lord really wants us to continue to set our focus on our community and our city and our surrounding neighbors and people, and that um, God wants us to really turn our attention to our mission. And I, I think that it's good that we gather. I think that it's amazing that we can experience the Lord and that we can do a lot of things on Sunday, but I know that Yet life is so much more than Sunday morning. Christian life goes above and beyond that. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? It's so much more than that, isn't it? And uh, living for the Lord every day is exciting, but uh, it's more than just Sunday morning. But I, I believe that the Lord wants us to continue to look at His uh, focus, or the way He looks through things. And we talked about it in January to focus. And we really just want to kind of keep looking outward in our church. I don't Everyone in our church should get to a place that we're a people that we're just constantly looking inward, looking on how we can be blessed and how we can feel better about ourselves and how we can become uh, better Christians and better citizens. I think that we need to be a little bit better than that in the sense that we need to look around us. And as Jesus told the disciples to look up, to always look up and look at the harvest or look up and change your perspective. Amen. And so... I uh, just really feel that that's so important for us as a church that we keep looking to our community, to our city and looking at people with a heart of compassion and uh, eyes of, of through the gospel. Can you say amen? Do you believe that, that we need to do that? And so I, I really believe that. But just something that God's just been stirring in my heart and some, some things, you know, that God does in your life, you just sometimes it's hard to put in English, isn't it? Put on paper. It's hard to explain it sometimes. And uh, so this is kind of one of those messages, hard to explain, but God's doing something good. And I'm excited about the people we're connecting with because of the center over on Catherine Street and also because of uh, the job and life skills program that we're developing. Already I'm just meeting people and hearing about um, resources available to us and organizations and agencies that are really looking for something like this. And so I'm excited about it. I'm excited about uh, the Lord setting us up in a good way. And uh, we've just been talking to a lot of local pastors. I have been talking to a lot of local pastors lately. And, and uh, we're just ready to work together and see God move in our, our valley. And so uh, I'm excited about it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, I'm just going to read a couple verses here if you just be patient with me. But it's so good. 
I want to talk to you today about reconciliation, grace, and glory. The Bible says in verse 17 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians that therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How many have read that scripture right before you got baptized? I did. And verse 18 says, And all things are of God, and who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. Also, he says, To wit, to the end, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, while Jesus was on the earth, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath com uh, committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as, through, as though God did beseech you by us. So he says, now we are ambassadors of Christ after he made the statement that we have been given the word of reconciliation. I like one translation in verse 18. And 19 says this, that God has done all this. He has restored our relationship with him through Christ and has given us this ministry of restoring relationships. In other words, God was using Christ to restore his relationship with humanity. He didn't hold uh, uh, people's uh, faults against them. He has given us this message of restored relationships to tell other people. Two words that stick out here, and especially in verses 18 and 19, is uh, reconciled and reconciliation. Reconciled and reconciliation. And as you read these scriptures, you read these words, I can't help but think about what David Platt said in his book years ago, Radical. He said that really, we are not to be caught up with the American dream, but we are to enjoy God's grace and extend His glory. And these two scriptures here, I think of, when I think of the words reconciled and reconciliation, I think of the two words, grace and glory. I think of what Jesus has done and what he wants to do through us. I think of how here is Paul's expressing the wonderful, awesome work that was done at Calvary, but also our work ahead of us as believers. And so I want to talk to you today about grace and glory. And maybe you haven't seen it this way, and I didn't. But uh, maybe you'll just kind of be encouraged as we look at it a different way. And here he talks about really the greatest and most uh, foundational commands that God has given us. And that is to love God and love other people. And so we see that grace, as he explains it here, grace is being reconciled to God. In verses 18, one translation says that we have, um, Jesus has restored us to friendship with God. I like this one. It says that, that God pursued us. And he brought us into a restored and a healthy relationship with him through Jesus Christ. How many believe that you are known, you are loved, and you are pursued by God? That's grace, isn't it? We didn't want it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't even looking for it. But he loved us. He knows us. He pursues us. I'm really thankful for God's grace this morning. And so we see this as he's uh, describing what Jesus came to do and what happened when Jesus was on the earth. God was reconciling us. Amen. To himself through Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. And what does that word there mean, reconcile, or mean reconciliation? Of course, there are a few meanings that are really good, but I want to just kind of bring it down to a couple things. And that is, yeah, it means to reunite. It means to bring back together again. That's what it means to reconcile. It means to resolve or to mend. It means to restore a harmony, peace, to end the hostility is what some of the words mean. It means there's an exchange. There's a restoration to the divine, is what reconciliation means. And of course, we know that the Bible talk, talks to us, and those who, are, when we were born again, we came to the understanding that we were strangers to God. We were estranged in a relationship with Him. 
right? Come on, we didn't, actually didn't have a relationship. We were estranged. We were, we were alienated, the Bible says, from him. And we were not compatible with him. <laughs> we, we weren't getting along. Is that right? We weren't getting along. We weren't compatible. And I, I like this definition of reconciliation. It's not just making a truce for peace. But it's the process of becoming compatible. Of growing in a relationship. In other words, you were, you were a relationship that was once broken is now healed. But more than that, it's not that this healed relationship goes from a place of being healed to a place of being strong and a lasting uh, covenant relationship. That's what it means to be reconciled. So it was a relationship that was healed that's really uh, making way for a stronger, longer lasting relationship now. Amen. That's what it means to be reconciled. See, and so I really love this about the Lord because grace uh, really has a way when we're reconciled to God and we come into the understanding of grace, grace enables us to have the right living, the right believing, and the right thinking. Amen. So that we can really walk according to what God has called salvation, what God has planned for us and intended. But I want to just say that as Paul said, it's very important that when we talk about grace that he encouraged us, don't abuse grace. Don't take grace for granted. Don't, uh, uh, don't make grace about yourself. How many believe that we need to take grace seriously? And we need to take it personally. And we need to take it responsibly. And this is what Paul is saying here. Is it's such an awesome thing. This, this ministry that we've been given. This, this work that's been done in our lives of grace. It's this work of reconciliation. That we need to get up in the morning and say. God I thank you that you saved me. And amen, that I didn't deserve it, but Lord, your grace did it, amen. That is by, come on, by grace, through faith, Lord, and it's in Christ alone that I'm living today, that I can experience salvation today. That's glory, that's grace. But then there's another thing here, we talk about glory, and that is the glory that Paul's talking about here, really we can go back and we see a pattern throughout the scriptures, and that is to make God known. So it's not just us being reconciled to God is what Paul's talking about here, he addresses that. But he goes on and he said that he calls us back to the original intent. It's not just that we are reconciled to God. Now he's giving us something, amen, that when we live here, he's giving us something. He's actually gracing us with something else, and that is the ministry of reconciliation. And that is what I think, glory. And glory is to make God known. Every time you look at the scripture and read scriptures about the glory of God, it's when God's presence was made known. It's when God was manifesting himself and all of a sudden everybody said, God's in the room. God's around. God just spoke, right? And so I believe that we need to just kind of, sometimes we get a little mysterious. That gets a little mysterious and we get a little mystical about the glory of God. We, we tend to think that it's, it's this haze that, that, you know, and this glow about us and, and, and it's about feeling good and, the, and we get goosebumps and, and, oh, I feel his glory. But how many know it's a little bit more than that? It's when God wants to reveal himself and make himself known. And how many believe that God wants to reveal his glory through you? Two people. That's great. And, and I think that that scripture where it says that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Well, how in the world is that going to happen? Through you and I. It's through you and I. God could do it by himself, but he doesn't want to because he wants to use us. He loves us. We're in a relationship with him, right? And so not only do we have this tremendous grace that we enjoy, but now there's this glory that God wants us to extend. And it's God's glory. Amen. 
One of the things I, I think about glory and what God's done in our lives is it really comes down to, to, for me, it comes down to my ability to obey God and love other people has been restored. Do you, do you know that? That our, my ability to obey God has been restored in Jesus Christ. Amen. I didn't want to obey God before I knew him. I mean, I, I didn't want, I wasn't interested. But my ability to obey God and love others have been restored. And because of that, my, my effort to live the life that God wants me to live and to reach other people extends the glory of God. That's really what it's about. And so not only did God do something great for me, but then he turns around and says, I want to do something great through you. Because I believe that the glory of God is not just what God has done, you know, does through us, but it's what Jesus is doing in us. Amen. And so many people get caught up what God can do through them, but it's only because of what Jesus is doing inside of you. Amen. And so the glory comes out, the glory of God. And, and so glory to God. We, you know, we glorify God in our relationships, don't we? God wants us to glorify Him in our marriage, in our um, raising our children, in our workplace, and wherever we are in our entire life. How many believe God wants you to glorify Him? Amen. Amen. Getting four people. That's good. It's getting up there. All right, we're going. So uh, that's really, really good. So God wants us to do that. I love that. And so as you, as you think about the ministry, the word of reconciliation is about the glory of God being made known. That's really what it's about. And so let me just read a couple translations when Paul was talking about the ministry or the word of reconciliation. It means the things that were entrusted to us, the ministry or the opening of the door to, for other people to God. It's, uh, he says this, one translation says that God has made us his agents of reconciliation. That he has commissioned us with a message of reconciliation. He gave us this message of peace to tell other people. Having placed the message of reconciliation in us so that by our example we might bring others to him. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation, that is the restoration of the favor with God. Amen. How many know that makes it a little bit better? I can understand it now. And so this is what he's saying is, does everybody know in this room that you've been given the ministry of reconciliation? Do you think that it's just about standing behind a pulpit or having a title? Absolutely not. I mean, when you're born again, the moment you receive the grace of God on your life, you receive the commission of God to go. Amen. And aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit has enabled us, amen, to go and to do and His power flows through us that we can accomplish what that which God called us to do? I, I, I'm thankful for that. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, I shared this the other night in the elders meeting is that we talk about this scripture a lot when it talks about leadership, but it's leadership, specifically gifts that leaders have in the church. And a lot of times, I used to misinterpret that, that God gave gifts to the church, so he gave apostles to the church, evangelists to the church, pastors, but it doesn't say that. It says that he gave gifts to men. How many know God gave gifts to men? And so a pastor has certain gifts, and an apostle has certain gifts, right? I mean, I don't know there's, everyone has gifts. And so these are just specific gifts that these offices have, but the Bible says that everybody's been given gifts. And this is why that the leadership of the church, or what we call the leadership of the church, has been given certain gifts. It says that we have been given these gifts to equip people. Amen? To do the work of the ministry and to make the church stronger. That's exactly why we've been given the gifts. You have not been given the gift uh, as a pastor to uh, drive, you know, this fancy car, live in, uh, you know, multi-million dollar this and that everything, to be famous, to be a world traveler and everything. No, you're to equip the saints. 
And you know, you're not, you're not called to do the work. As an evangelist, you're not called to do all the work of evangelists in the church. You're called to raise up others who will go and do the work of evangelism. See the difference? Amen? See the difference? And so we talked about that. But that's important because when we do that, we begin to enjoy the grace and extend the glory. When we as leaders of the church begin to fulfill our role of equipping the saints, then we all come into the place where we start extending the glory of God. We start fulfilling the call that God has on our life. We fulfill the, the commission that Jesus gave us, come on, to preach the gospel. Amen. And this is for every one of us. How many believe that? That every one of us are to do that. And so every one of us, he said, saying has been given the ministry and the word of reconciliation love that what is the need for grace what is the need for reconciliation is it to make us better people to feel better about ourselves that we are going to heaven and 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 that's all good enough that we don't need anybody else to go into heaven it's just us no that's not what it's about I believe the need for grace and reconciliation is because of one thing and that is we are broken I believe that there are broken people and broken systems and that's why Jesus reconciled us to God. Because the word reconciled doesn't mean just to be friendly with. It means that you actually mend and heal a broken relationship. Amen? How many believe that you had a broken relationship with the Lord? You were away from God. The Bible says you're a stranger and you are broken. Your fellowship was broken with the Lord. Amen. And so that's why Jesus came, so that he can bring reconciliation, which is that perfect fellowship between us and God once again. Amen. And so that relationship has been mended. In Isaiah chapter uh, 61 and Luke chapter 4, and we read this a few uh, weeks ago, but Jesus stood up and he gave his, his mission and he began to say this. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the deliverance to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised or oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. How many believe that scripture? I believe that was all about Jesus himself, a prophetic utterance about the Messiah. But Jesus said this, he said, I'm here to, to really preach to or minister to the brokenhearted. Now, I used to look at that scripture, and I used to think, um, initially I looked at that, and I thought, okay, the brokenhearted, these are emotionally scarred people. But that's not what he's talking about. These are separated people from God. These are people that have broken fellowship with the Lord. And because of that, there's a brokenness in their life. And I believe that the human race was separated and broken by sin nature. And because of that, out of that sin nature, men create systems that are broken. We create systems in the political and economic and educational. And in the end, without God, they are broken. Can you say amen? I don't know about you, but this world is filled with broken systems. You cannot put faith in a system in this world. You can't put faith in a system that's broken. That doesn't make sense. Is that right? Well, you can't put faith in a system of men. Because men without God are broken. And they'll always lead you in a place of brokenness. That's true, isn't it? And so when Jesus said, I'm here to, to minister or preach to the brokenhearted, he wasn't just talking about the emotionally scarred. Those that have fallen in their nature to God. Those who have broken in their, in their fellowship with God and with other people. Jesus said, I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. Those who have broken in their spirit. Those who are actually broken in fellowship and have fallen in sin. I'm here to preach the gospel to them. Amen. 
And also in Isaiah 61 and Luke 4, you can see that there's three types of brokenness he deals with. He talks about the spiritual brokenness, the physical brokenness, and the emotional brokenness. And of course, that leads to so many other things. But I love what he, Isaiah's gospel records this. And he says that I'm going to give people beauty from ashes that they give me. I'm going to give people joy from mourning. That's what's going to come out of mourning is joy. And what's going to come out of the spirit of heaviness is praise. Aren't you glad for that? How many know that's reconciliation? I said that's reconciliation. Uh, how many, I, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'd really be confident in a God that gave you mourning for mourning. That gave you heaviness for heaviness. I'll take your heaviness and I'll give you more heaviness. How many know that's not God? And that's not a loving God. And that's not a gracious God. But we serve a gracious, loving, heavenly Father that said, you bring your mourning and your weeping and I'll give you joy. You bring your brokenness and your ashes of your life and I'll mend it. Amen. I will give you peace. I will give you joy. I will give you right relationships. Amen. And that's, amen, what God does. And so there's three types of brokenness that we see. And in Luke 4, he mentions these, these brokenness. He mentions poverty and blindness and capti captivity and, and oppression. And you know, poverty is rooted in broken relationships. We could say that it, it's, it's not, you know, just lack of money, but it really comes from a, a root of, of, of a sinful heart or distorted worldview and bad values. Poverty is rooted in broken relationships. Um, and if you think about oppression is rooted in brokenness, isn't it? It's rooted in brokenness. I, I believe that some of the worst uh, injustice and some of the, the most barbaric acts are to be able to enslave other people, to oppress other people. That's what Jesus is talking about. Those who are under oppression, those who are under uh, this, this, as he says, that are bruised or because of the oppression have become bruised in their heart. Amen is what he's talking about. You know, someone said that if you want to destroy someone, if you want to destroy anyone, you first must dehumanize them. You've got to take away their humanity. You've got to isolate them, but you've got to take away their humanity. And I believe that some of the most dehumanizing the things that could be or are, are slavery or being enslaved and being oppressed. That's what uh, the Bible talks about here. And so we see this. And also, I, 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 when I think about this and some of the, as we see the brokenness and, and as Jesus is talking here, I believe that as we, we can read the statistics that addictions are really some of the, the most oppressive sins that we have in this country. Just addictions. We, we can't get away from it. We can't. It's like it gets worse. Uh, it seems that every year the statistics are, are changing for the worse. For the, come on, for, the, for, for worse, not for better. And it seems that people are more and more becoming oppressed. Oppressed because of a, a chemical. Oppressed because of a relationship. Oppressed because of society or a system. They're becoming more and more oppressed. And I believe that there's an answer for that. One of them is, is that because of our sin nature, we default to a captive or a predatory nature. Don't we? We either want to rule over people or we're being ruled by somebody. We want to either oppress somebody or we are oppressed by somebody or something, 
right? And so these are the, what we see in our society. And so, uh, you know, you think about it, if poverty and fatherlessness and homelessness and addictions are rooted from broken relationships, then I believe that the solution is rooted in Jesus' death and resurrection. Because only Jesus promises reconciliation and restoration through a relationship with Him. Nothing else. There's no other system. There's no other, no other person. There's no other organization or nothing else under the sun that can promise reconciliation but Jesus Christ. Amen? And so these things are rooted in broken relationships. And so as, as we're looking at Isaiah 61 and Luke 4, we see that there is a fractured society. There is a fractured people. And it's, they're broken in their spirit. They're broken in their heart. They're broken in their mind. They're just broken people. But how many know that there's an answer for brokenness? And it's reconciliation. Amen. Amen. Jesus comes to reconcile us. He doesn't just come to come in and say, I'll forgive you, but He comes and He says, now I'm going to bring you into this relationship where you're going to have healing and mending and, and there is a joy that you didn't have know before. There is a healing that you didn't know before that you couldn't reach and get outside of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so there's a mending and a reconciliation that comes in our lives because, amen, of the grace of Jesus Christ. But then we see something else here. He's talking about the act of glory. The act of glory. What does that mean? As he says here, the ministry of reconciliation. And I believe that the act of glory that he's talking about through reconciliation, as Paul points to us, and he says, now you've been given the ministry. You have the word of reconciliation. And that is to restore people really to the full expression of what I call humanness. Amen. Because how many know sin strips people of their glory from the Lord? Sin strips people of their dignity from the Lord. It strips us of who we are in the Lord. And as a people group, it just strips us. And we begin to think in, in ways that just aren't godly and think in ways that aren't, uh, come on, that are want to hurt other people and get for ourselves. And how many know God, amen, has a way of restoring us Amen. And human, or this humanness of us. And I believe that when we talk about the ministry of reconciliation in our society and bringing people back to a place of wholeness, it's really bringing people back to a place of human, this humanness. Now, this, this completeness. Amen. And this is what the word reconciliation also means. You know, if you look at it, and I've I'm, I'm been doing some studying, and as we're talking about the outreach center and some other things, I thought about, Lord, what kind of, what kind of uh, uh, ministry will it be? Will, will it be a ministry of relief? Will it be a ministry that uh, people come in and they have emergency situations and they need this, they need that, and we'll provide shelter or this? And, or will it be a ministry of reconciliation where we actually bring people back to a place of uh, right relationship and right living in, and, uh, with, with God and with others and with themselves and with creation? And then I said, Lord, or is this going to be a place that will lead people to a place of development where they began to seek the Lord themselves and they began to work and they began to, uh, come on, they began to uh, get right in their life and want to be married and stay married and raise kids and be fathers and mothers. How many know you can have relief, amen, but God wants us to bring people to a place of development. And the grace of God is on our life. It relieves us of sin. But there's another thing that God's put in our life, and that is the glory of God that brings us to a place of development in God. Where now we're starting to be healthy, and we're beginning to raise other people up or raise our kids right, right? And that's glory. And that's what God is saying here, and Paul is te teaching here, is the ministry 
of reconciliation. Amen. Because what happens is, I've noticed that this is our heart, is we want to move people from this place of personal entitlement to personal integrity. And that's what happens when you're reconciled to God. You come from a place of personal entitlement to a place of personal integrity. And, you know, someone once said that we're here as Christians to fix the broken systems in our society. No, I believe that we're here to minister the gospel in word or deed and people's hearts will change and they'll repair the systems. Amen. When men's hearts change, systems begin to change. Amen. Other things begin to change. And so I don't think we should give ourselves that much credit. I'm not here to fix the, bro I'm here to preach the gospel which has the power to fix broken systems, which has the power to change systems, that has the power to change hearts. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And so I believe that the broken systems of our society and our culture can only be changed and only be mended when people's hearts change. And that's really what it's coming down to, this ministry of reconciliation. He's saying that it's not just about you being right with God, but now you've got to understand what God has given you. God has given you this ministry of bringing people to a place of wholeness and, come on, and relationship with God. And I believe that the kingdom of God is that one system that is whole and not broken. I believe that the kingdom of God is that one system that's yet to be restored in the earth. I believe that our whole mission, amen, is to help God restore His kingdom, His system in the earth. Amen. How many are thankful that there is a system that's not broken? And that is the kingdom of God. There is a system that, has, that works. There is a system that brings healing and wholeness. And that is the kingdom of God. Amen. And we're to help uh, God with, bring, by preaching the gospel and living according to the word. Amen. Bring in this system into our culture. Amen. This is part of it is bringing in the kingdom of God into a broken system. And the Bible says that there's something that happens in men's hearts when the kingdom of God comes. Amen. All of a sudden they start praying, your will be done. Amen. Forgive me you might, uh, uh, that I've hurt other people. And come on and don't lead me towards evil things. Amen. I want to be right. So how many know the kingdom of God is great? So this is what he's talking about. But, you know, we really can't change men's hearts. And there can't be a reconciliation that we do by ourselves just by setting up and, and creating moral and, and judicial rules. Just like the Old Testament. You know, they had these moral and judicial rules that would follow, that would appease God. But how many know they could never bring people to a place of salvation? Amen? Why? Because it had, something had to be done in their heart. There had to be a rebirthing and a renewing of their spirit. Because they're, they're, they could follow rules, but only for so long. How many know what I'm talking about? They could do the rituals and they could do the ceremonies, but it could only take them so far. And how many know that we need to see the power of God working in our culture that men's hearts change? It's not about just teaching people, here's Christian rules, this is what you need to do. Come on. It's not about that. But it's saying that this, if you receive Jesus Christ, all of a sudden there's commandments that are written in your heart. All of a sudden you don't want to hate people. You don't want, come on, you be kind to people and you want to forgive people and you want to stay married and be faithful. Amen? And this is what has to happen in our culture. There has to be a renewing and a born-again nature that, which these standards come from. From where we get these places, that, that these healings and these mendings of this broken culture. And I believe that the gospel brings healing for spiritual, physical, and emotional brokenness. How many believe that? How many believe that the gospel brings healing? 
So thank God that we're going to do some efforts and we're going to do some things and we're going to do uh, some things in the natural. But ultimately we're believing God that the gospel is going to change people's hearts. will mend the broken places in their lives. Amen. Bring them back to that perfect fellowship with Jesus Christ. Bring them back to that place where they want to be married and want to be a father and they want to serve the Lord and they want to live according to the word of God. Anybody? That's reconciliation. Amen. And I think we're overdue in our culture. But he said this, he said not just the ministry of reconciliation, but he said the word of reconciliation. So I think that happens in a couple ways. Number one, that happens through the gospel. We've already just talked about that, the word of reconciliation. We could look at this and say the word. Yeah, okay, the word. Meaning there is a, a verbal communication. There is speaking. And that's through the gospel. How many believe that it's through the gospel that people's hearts will change? Well, you're here. You're doing pretty good, amen? Your heart changed, I hope, amen? But Jesus said this, he said that God has anointed me to what? Preach. Preach. He said this is how it's going to happen. This is how people are going to be, the, the eyes are going to be opened. This is how people are going to be, the prison doors are going to be set free. This is how, amen, the poor are going to be saved. This is how it's going to happen through the preaching, through the gospel. This is how it's going to happen. He said this is the word of reconciliation. How many believe that this book is the word of reconciliation? You've been given a word. You don't have to make anything up. You don't have to try to think real hard about it. It's right here. It's the word of God. Then the Bible says you've been given a word of reconciliation. How many know that everything that is able to save somebody is found in this book? Amen. Right? Who Jesus is, why he came, and what their life is all about is found in this book. So you've been given the word of reconciliation, the Bible says. So it's through the gospel. But the second part, I want to just finish up with this, and that is the word of reconciliation talks about the communication and the relationship that we have with other people. How many know that it's not just enough for you to text people about the gospel or write a, a book about the gospel? How many know that we've got to go and talk to people? That you're here. <laughs> Somehow, some way, you heard the gospel. Amen, if you're a believer today. So it's through relationships, and I'm so convinced of this, that God is really showing this to me more and more. It's not just, see, a lot of times we think that we, we want to sit and pray in church, and, and then somehow if we pray enough, and, and if we just believe God enough, that this church would be filled with people who want Jesus Christ, who are lost and need the Lord. We think that somehow that mysteriously churches are going to fill up and, and stadiums are going to be filled with people who, who want to hear the gospel and who need the Lord. How many know it's not going to happen that way? I'd hate to bust your 30-year-old bubble, but that's, that's just the way... That's the way it's going to happen through the gospel and it's going to happen through relationships. Jesus said, go to the world. In other words, he said, go to the people groups. Go talk to them. Go touch them. Go eat with them. Go, go live with them and deliver the gospel. He didn't say sit in an office in a church in the sanctuary in the little room in a, in a gated community and write letters to the world about Jesus. He said, go to them, touch them, speak to them. How many know that the word of reconciliation can only be heard when you're speaking to somebody? And so he speaks about relationships here. And I love this part because this is where the Lord is helping us as a church to change. Going from just, you know, just being a, uh, you know, having the service on Sunday and, and hearing the gospel really to go and touch people and be a part of people's lives. And I believe that's the way that the Lord is doing it in this hour. So the healing remedy for broken systems and broken people is through two things I see in the Bible is repentance and relationships. 
Repentance and relationships. Amen. And so reconciliation is, is really just living in right relationship with God, others, yourself, and then the rest of creation. And this is our goal, to preach the gospel in our city. We want to see people brought back to the place of right relationship with God, with other people, with themselves, and with the rest of creation. The Bible says that, amen, that he's doing, and Jesus is doing something amazing, that he's doing something in the earth, that he is reconciling all things to himself. Amen? Oh, yes, he is. So that all things will glorify him in the end. One way or the other, all things, amen, will be a praise and a glory to him in the earth. One way or the other. So he's doing that. But I believe that this relational, this relational approach that God is talking here, and Paul is talking about here, and God's speaking to us, this relational approach that really it's going to restore a few things in people's lives. Number one, there's spiritual intimacy. That's relationship with God. Number two, their dignity. It's relationship to self. Community, relationship with others. And stewardship, relationship with the rest of creation. There's a way that God restores these things and brings us into this reconciliation. And as you work with people and talk to people about the Lord, you find that this is what God is doing in their life. God wants to bring them back from a place of running from the law, running from their family, doing their own thing, uh, to all of a sudden now they want to have a job and keep a job, obey the, rule, the laws, come on, the rules of the land. They want to do what's right. They want to pay taxes. They want to raise good kids. They, amen? How many know there's just something about the gospel that has a way that gets us on the right path, gets us in the right direction? Well, it happens through relationship. And so I believe we're moving people closer to glorifying God. Now, I like this because someone said this, and this is so true, that without the verbal presentation of the gospel and without the involvement of the church, it's impossible for people to be changed in their relationships. I love that. I think there's a responsibility in us as the church to go and talk to people and touch people and be with people and talk to them about reconciliation. Amen? I'm almost done. And so I, I think that... Um, this is so true as you do your research. One of the things they find that the opposite of addiction is connection. In fact, they find that what happens is the more people become addicted to whatever it is, the less connected they are to other people. They disconnect themselves to not just people but reality. We know that. But there's a disconnection. And isn't it amazing that when people are born again, somehow the Lord connects you back to people? That how many know it takes people to be connected to in order for the Lord to connect you to a group? Amen. And God uses people like you to do that. And so there's this highly relational ministry that really, as Paul is talking about here, that really is coming through the body of Christ. And it's going to help people really overcome the effects of the fall on their hearts and their lives, their behavior, their minds. And it's through this relationship that God establishes His grace and love in their life. How many know sometimes you wouldn't know God's grace unless it was for a mom or a dad or an aunt or uncle. Somebody showed you grace. You wouldn't understand love unless you saw it through somebody else. Somebody came in your greatest time of need or when you were lost and you, come on, you were, you were there and you were just high and you were out of your mind and somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody showed love to you. Amen? Two people. That's, we're getting from four to two. So we're going, here we go. <clears throat> Amen. And so I really believe that. And, and as we talk about this reconciliation, as Paul is talking about this, that the church is designed by Jesus to really be about developing and growing people through this long-term discipleship we talked about back in the fall. And this is the ministry of the word of reconciliation, the ministry and the word of reconciliation. Amen. And something that the Lord 
to add right here before I close. The Lord just threw this out this morning to me. Is I believe that God is looking for willing vessels. People that have really just kind of their will is bent towards the Lord. People that will be like Isaiah and say, here am I, send me. I want to go. I want to be the one. Because how many know we need to be willing to be used? We need to have the willingness and the heart to be used of God. The, you know, God can show all kinds of grace to you. He can give you all kinds of gifts and powers and callings. But if you never are willing to go and you never do it, come on, there's a different story. Nobody will hear the gospel, as the Bible says. And so I think that we need to have this willingness in our hearts to go and to be used, to reach out to the broken, to be people that God uses. And, and because it's not about us. If we make it about us, then, then somehow we get a little bit more discouraged. If we make it about other people, somehow we find encouragement in that. We find strength in that. We find, we find glory in that, don't we? There's something about when you turn your eyes to other people and turn your eyes to the needs of other people, like Jesus, that you find there's a glory in that. There's, God is speaking in that. God uses you in that. The gifts begin to flow. God begins to, to use you to love other people and show love towards other people. And therefore, I think the glory of God is revealed. Some of us are still waiting for the glory. We're still waiting that, we, you know, a halo has to appear and feathers come from the air and, and uh, we rubies come in our hands and gold dust and gold teeth. Listen, that's good that, to a point. That's okay, I guess. But that's not what God's talking about, that the glory will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's you and I taking the message of grace, the work of grace that's been done in our life to deliver a word of reconciliation to those who are broken, to those who are hidden, to those who are downtrodden, the Bible says. Amen. That's who God has called us to. That is the mission. And you'll never find your mission in church. I don't care. I mean, I've been in meetings that I felt like I've, angels are singing and, and I feel light as a feather and I feel like I can just do all kinds of... Listen, I've never found my mission in church. I've always found it out in the street. I've always found it around those that don't know the Lord. All of a sudden, light goes off. Ah, they need the Lord. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. And so I want to leave you with this as we stand on our feet today. <clears throat> Go ahead and stand today. Grace. And glory. You know what the Bible says here in, Jesus reads it in Luke 4 and then it's also in Isaiah 61 where the, Jesus said, and I read it to you, that the day of the Lord is here or uh, the, the acceptable year of the Lord. Did you, did you remember that? Well, what, did, what was he referring to? Part of it was, yes, was Jesus was here. Grace has appeared to all men. That the day of salvation is here. But he also referred back to something that happened in the Old Testament. And that was called the year of Jubilee. In the year of Jubilee, which happened every 50 years, in that whole year, uh, there was something amazing that happened. There was a social re revitalization. There was uh, a land that was given back to you. There was money that was given back to you. Everything that was taken from you was given. Everything that you sold was given back to you. That's pretty good, isn't it? Amen. I mean, houses and lands and everything. And then all of a sudden, everybody, it was almost like everybody's cupboards were full. Everybody were given uh, this sustenance and everybody was given enough for the year. That's pretty good, isn't it? Everybody's needs were met for the year. Everybody, come on, there was, there was this year of jubilee and Jesus said, the year of jubilee is here. Reconciliation is now. 
This is the day, amen, that those who are broken are not going to be healed. Those that are blind are now going to see. Amen, those that are lost are not going to be found. This is the year of Jubilee and Jesus declaring, amen, that this, something's going to happen. Debts are going to be canceled and people are going to be set free. And that's why he declared this and he said, I'm here anointed to preach so that the day of Jubilee can come in people's lives. So that they're in captivity to an addiction, they can be set free. If they're in oppression uh, because of finances or a system or other people or being abused, they can be healed, they can be delivered. I'm here to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm here to alleviate, amen, this pressure off the poor and this, this condemnation and this uh, curse on the poor. That's what Jesus said. And so today, let's just... I just want you to know that you're people, amen, that are given the word and the ministry of reconciliation. You're here to declare that Jesus Christ is here. The year of Jubilee is, is here for people in their lives. To let them know that Jesus is here to set them free. And, amen, their blinded eyes being opened. This is what the gospel is all about. Grace and glory have been revealed to us, been given to us by God so that we can re release it. In the, come on, into the, our culture and our world where we live. I believe that the glory of God needs to be enjoyed, the grace of God needs to be enjoyed, but His glory needs to be extended, amen, today. And this is what I want to just give you today. But you know, unfortunately, as a Christian, I, I, I like what Sister Terry Spears says. She said that a fish is the last to discover water because he's been in it his whole life. And some of us are Christians are the last to discover God's grace because we've been in it all our life. And we're supposed to be dispensers of God's grace, dispensers of God's glory, that other people can know the Lord and know His power, His forgiveness. Come on, some people need to know today that they're forgiven. Some people need to know today that they're healed and made whole through Jesus Christ. Amen. That He loves them. No, no, nobody else in their life has loved them. and He's not an abusive father. People need to know that. That He loves them with an everlasting love. And the Bible says that you have been given that ministry. Amen. Can we just lift our hand to heaven and say, God, thank you for giving me this ministry. Thank you, Lord, for giving me your glory and your grace. Amen. That I've been reconciled, but now I've been given, amen, the ministry of reconciliation. This morning, can we just lift our hands and can we pray for our marriages? Can we pray for families and kids and fathers and mothers? Can we pray for the poor today and physically disabled and the oppressed? Can we pray that we'll be reconciled to God and restored back to a right relationship with other people and with the Lord and themselves and the rest of creation? Lord, we just think right now of people that we know that they don't know you, Lord. They're, and even in the place of brokenness in their life, Lord, of hurt and, and despair, God, we pray that they would be reconciled today. That, Lord, we would go and we would have that opportunity to preach the gospel, the word of reconciliation, that they can be brought back to God. They can be mended and healed and reunited. Amen. With a loving Heavenly Father. We just pray, oh God, that you would make us these dispensers. Amen. These, these, these vessels of your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name. So many times, Lord, we think that has to do with just feeling good and getting goosebumps and, and spiritual uh, joy. But yes, Lord, but it's also about, Lord, showing others the love of God. Telling them about the good news of Jesus and, and, and just being the expression of your love for them today. Lord, we pray that through our lives, through our word, that people will find reconciliation to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray today. Amen. Hallelujah. And can I just challenge you that maybe there's somebody that you know that maybe they don't know the Lord. Maybe they're just absolutely going through what we would call hell on earth. 
God wants you just to go. Go with the word of healing. Go with the word of ministry. And God, what can I do today? This week, what can I do? Lord, that'll help, Lord, bring this grace and this glory to my neighbors, to my friends, to the workplace. Amen. How many take this seriously that you have a ministry of reconciliation, a word of reconciliation? Amen this week. I want to encourage you today. God bless you. Just pray for open doors that God will lead you across the right path to people that really need the Lord. Next week, we're so excited to have the first year. So we're going to be meeting here right back here. We're going to have a great time. God bless you. Shake somebody's hand. Hug somebody's neck as you leave today.